Hello, MESPA principals. This is Brett Domstrand, principal of Lake Marion Elementary in Lakeville, Minnesota, and welcome to the MESPA Principal Cast. I am excited to be welcoming our guest today, who is going to be a keynote speaker at the MESPA Institute on February 2nd through the 4th. And so you can still register right now at mespa.net and then just click on register. So we really look forward to seeing you. And now without further ado, I wanna welcome our special guest today, Adam, welcome. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Brad, thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. We get to chat and hang out and talk about school leadership. It's school leadership is such a fun thing and such a challenging thing that we're going through right now. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful that you took the time to be able to meet with us. I know a Institute is just coming up in a few weeks, but uh, we want people to get a little bit of a taste of, of what you do. And, and it's not just about writing. It's not just about speaking. It's really about your contribution to education. So before we start, I want to just let our, um, let all of our listeners know. So Adam is the author of four different books. His most recent books are Kids Deserve It and Teachers Deserve it, but he's an avid runner. He's a principal. He's a director of innovation. He teaches college. Um, and not only is he just a speaker. So Adam, you've had all these different experiences that are brought you to this point. Um, kind of off the top of your head, I'm going to ask you just kind of an opening question. What's been one of the most interesting things that you've been able to do as an educational leader and, and, and thought provoker? Yeah, I feel like, so I've been married to my wife for 12 years and I think I've had six jobs in that 12 years. I just, I'm not, I'm not a bouncer. I just find opportunities and, and, and do different things. And, uh, you know, one of the, I mean, the coolest thing I've been able to do is what I'm doing right now. And it honestly just all happened by accident. I was a, started off as a teacher and then I was a teacher on special assignment, kind of like an instructional coach and was just helping people with, with Google back in the day when Google apps came on board and people yeah. were like, oh my God, I don't have to do Microsoft PowerPoint anymore. Like this is no more flash drives. 1995 wants their flash drives back, no more flash drives <laughs> in classrooms. And um, it was funny because like where I am now, if I look back the last 15, 20 years, Brett, it was so, it was happening how it was supposed to happen. I just didn't know I was doing things and doing things and just putting myself out there. And when I was a principal, I thought we were doing pretty innovative stuff and having fun. And my superintendent would bring me to conferences or she'd have me go talk to like 50 superintendents and I would do it. And it was, it was fun. It was natural for me. And we'd have people come and visit the school and, um, yeah. And then I went to an NAESP conference down in Long Beach, my, uh, my first national conference. That was a, that was a fun one. Eric Wall, the artist, the graffiti artist was the, was the keynote. And uh, I met Todd Nessaloni who, uh, who lives in Texas, who was a principal and is now part of their state organization, kind of yeah. like the brother organization of MESPA. And we started kids deserve it. And it was just like the best kind of combination of just doing what's best for kids and, and keeping it simple. And I'm sure we're going to get into it. And I really think that's a really important concept now with so many different things going on in schools and districts and leadership is to really simplify things as much as you can. Uh, and then, Hey, I never wanted to be an author. A lot of people have said to me, I've always wanted to write a book. And that was not me. I blogged for 15 years and then we wrote a book and, uh, the cool thing I get to do now is just fly around the country and work with schools and educators and get to meet amazing people. And uh, my wife, it's funny. My wife goes, how do you know all these people? Cause like, we'll be in an airport and someone will be like, are you Adam? Welcome. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? What do you do? And they're a teacher <laughs> or a principal and we'll take a picture and I'll usually get their address or I'll send them a free book at their school as like a nice surprise, which is cool. And then just, uh, you know, Brett, 
it's just building that community. Uh, years and years ago, I was a principal and I was driving to work and uh, uh, there's this app called Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. It's just a really great app to kind of get people together. I feel that you meet people on Twitter and then you take the conversation to the next level on Voxer. And my idea, my goal was I want to connect every single principal across the country. So I started this group called Principles in Action, uh, yeah. PIA. And uh, we had like thousands of people in this group and just connecting. And because if you are still on an island in 2022, it's really completely up to you because you got to get connected. If you're in a big school, small school, rural, whatever it is, if you're the only administrator, you, you got to get connected. So um, I guess the coolest thing I've ever done is just all that stuff and just always <laughs> trying to find the new thing and uh, what makes me excited. And also I think what helps other people and helps to remind people that they can do it too. Um, I'm just maybe a little bit more ahead of you, or I just mm. tried it a little earlier. You can do it too. It's going to look different. It's going to taste different. It's going to cost a different amount of money with whatever the program looks like, but, but you can do it too. Well, you know, so Adam, you, you said something earlier when you, when you met Todd. Okay. So when you think about kids deserve it, I think for many of us that are listening right now, we are, we're familiar with it. We, we, if we haven't read the book, we've probably heard the phrase and we, and we know there's we, like, there are people who have been talking about it, but books like that don't just come like, just like, Oh, let's just write a book. And it's going to be called kids deserve it. So you're talking about, you met Todd in long beach and then this book came to fruition. Are you naturally, <laughs> are you naturally a writer? And if you're not, what, what kind of has been the impetus to get you decide to, to put your thoughts into writing and actually make a book? Cause that's a lot of effort. Yeah. So there was definitely a confluence of events that brought it together. I had been, I'd been blogging for like 10 or 15 years on a weekly basis. Todd had been doing the same. Uh, he had a podcast actually years ago that he had me on. And then we met at the conference and uh, all stars one, right? You were yeah, edu all stars or something. That's how I, I first found out who you were was. Oh my God. Funny stars. Yes. Yeah. So we actually had both done work with Remind. They're a text messaging yeah. app that a lot of schools use. And I knew the CEO and Todd did too. And we didn't know that we actually knew them together. And we were at dinner in Long Beach at the conference. And I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, schools don't exist so we can have jobs. Schools exist to be awesome for kids. And Todd, I like to say Todd was kind of stalking me. He tweeted that out. And I said, because kids deserve it. And the tweet just kind of like all this, you know, interaction. And we got together the next day and uh, six o'clock in the morning, which is pretty early for Todd. I'm an early riser. And we wrote a blog post together about kids deserve it and relationships and all this. And the blog post just really took off. So at the conference, we started kids deserve it literally at the conference. We bought kids deserve it.com, uh, bought the URL. We started a Twitter chat. We built a website. We started a podcast all while we were together. So people listening, if you have an idea and you want to do something, the worst thing you can do is wait, just start right now. I was reading the other day, Netflix before Netflix was a DVD before they were what they are. They were a DVD rental service. Yeah. So you know, uh, Shopify before Shopify was Shopify, they sold online, they sold snowboards online. And the point is just get started. You're, you're going to evolve as, as you go. And no, I never wanted to write a book, but all that blogging together, Dave Burgess reached out to Todd and I, um, and he said, Hey, we had been doing kids deserve it for about nine months. And he said, Hey, you guys thought about writing a book. And we were like, no, we just want to change the world. 
He's like, think about writing a book. So we got off the call. If Dave Burgess reaches out to you and says he wants to talk, like you should probably take the call. And uh, we said, okay. So we sent Dave a couple chapters and he's like, cool, here's a contract. And we were like, oh, oh, wow, that was easy. And uh, that was it, man. That was it. It was just like, honestly, it was, I was doing things, Todd was doing things and we came together and we just, uh, we, we kept it simple. Uh, like you said, and I said earlier, uh, I've read so many books and Brett, you're getting your, you're, you're getting your doctor right now. I can imagine how many research heavy books you have to read. We wrote the book that we wanted to read, um, mm -hmm. that we could read, people could read a chapter in at a staff meeting um, because, you know, big ideas and big programs, those are okay. I feel, you know, think big, act small, keep it simple. You can always layer things on as you go. But if you think big and you act big, it's really hard to maintain, sustain, fund, um, train people with that. So that's just really kind of how my brain has always worked. And I think it actually relates pretty well to what's happening now with, we're still with the pandemic and, you know, shortage of teachers and people out, uh, just try to do less. Um, keeping it simple. It's actually easier for everybody rather than complicating the heck out of things. Right. Well, and you know, the, the, the old analogy of keeping it simple, right? It, uh, it's, it, it seems like it's easy to do, but so like you, you get to travel around this country and maybe even internationally um, it, it, and talk to so many educators and so many educational leaders. Um, when you talk about keeping it simple, what are some of the um, pieces of advice that you could say, like, here are some ways to simplify how you go about leading an education? Um, yeah, I start off, I start off with Twitter. Um, I, I love original Twitter when it was 120 characters, because you had to be really concise and you mm -hmm. had to be really simple. It didn't fit. You had to take words out or change it. So kind of with that mindset, you know, something that I've been doing forever is writing my idea down on a post-it note. And I tell people this all the time when I speak. Write your, write your idea that you want to do. Let's say you're a school principal and you're like, I want to start this. Write that idea on a post-it note. And then below the idea, write down your implementation plan. And if it doesn't fit on that post-it note, it's too complicated. Because so often I've been a director at central office. We have these huge whiteboards. We have butcher paper. We write down, we mind map. Somebody take a picture. Yeah. And nothing happens because it's so complicated. The, the more complicated something is, the more that can go wrong. The simpler something is, the less that can go wrong. And you can probably hear my dog in the background whining. He wants me to take him for a walk. So try, <laughs> try the post-it note strategy. Um, and, you know, after you feel good about that step, then just add another post-it note right below it. That's yeah. level two. And then you kind of expand a little bit more and then add another little post-it note. And hey, people listening, be real, be honest. Don't use big old post-it notes. Use like the original kind of OG size post-it note. It's like three by three, you know, front side, not front and back. Um, I think because so often things don't get done because they don't get started or they don't get done or started because they're too complicated, Brett. Yeah. Keeping it simple, think simple, and then just layer on as you go. Well, and I think, I think our listeners can relate to, to what you're saying is, is you think about those giant 3M wall yeah. charts that we, we love to put up. And, and I think um, in talking with many of my colleagues, it's like after we write those and we come up with our big ideas, where do they go when the meeting is done? And they tend to go on the back of a door or, or they get they rolled up. 
Yeah. So they get rolled up. And then, so that we did all that work. And so then what happens the next time you see those up, you go, are we going to do a lot of this work? And then nothing's going to happen. So your point is spot on. That's a really, so the three, so use a three by three post-it, get that idea onto one and the first stage of implementation on that one. Yeah. I think another thing too, is if you're going to use those big, use those big post-it notes or um, a whiteboard and write down everything that you're doing in with what you kind of supervise. So write down everything that's happening in your school or your department or your grade level. And then if you think everything is super important, I challenge you to force rank everything. Uh, years ago, I was, I was a principal and we were hiring another principal and we had uh, a new HR director and he gave us these force ranking sheets. And at first I didn't like them. So we interviewed Brett first, Brett, you're number one. And then we interview Sally. Well, we have to choose is Brett our number one or is Sally our number one? Somebody's got to be one and somebody's got to be two. You force rank those people. So do that with your programs. You're really going to see, you think, oh my God, I love that program. But if you give it a zero, it wasn't really important. Maybe it's nostalgic. Maybe the person before you that you took over from had the program. Maybe there's like two people that really like it, but most people don't. Uh, you can't do everything. And if you think everything's important, nothing's important. And then you're just going to be doing everything with mediocrity. And I would rather do three to five things with fidelity and do them really, really well. Well, you know, and it's interesting because the the way that you're talking about forced ranking is it also, it gives everybody an equal vote, a share in that, in that process. And it's not just who speaks the loudest or who mm. is going to keep stepping up to talk to try to get their point and convince people. It's a, it's a different way of looking at it. Um, think, think that, uh, all right. So people, if you're not taking notes yet, I am, and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, th this is, this is really useful. So now Adam, what, what was the impetus that led you to the decision to, to make the big leap to go from, from teaching into, into teaching and leading? Um, because it's a big, it's a big step and, and not everybody wants to do it or knows what they need to do in order to do it. So what kind of was the thing that led you to that step? Yeah, it's interesting. My, my father taught second grade for 35 years uh, in public schools in the inner cities here in the Bay Area. So I grew up in education. And uh, that's kind of why I started when I was 22 years old. And then honestly, I never really had this notion to become a principal. The reason I became a principal was because of my first principal. Uh, they were, they were a nice person. I just felt that we had so much more capacity inside of us as a school. I felt that we were just kind of floating. Um, and I was a teacher when iPods first came out, we didn't have Chromebooks. We didn't have iPads. You remember Brett. Yeah. And I was like, God, there's all these different things. And just, you know, I just saw what they didn't do and they did things well. I just, cause I got, I'm like, you know what? you can complain about something or you can try to do it a different way. So when I was 25, I went and got my admin uh, certification here in California. And uh, when I was 30, I think I was 29 and a half, I got my first uh, assistant principal job and it was just, it was just awesome. I had an amazing principal. She was a veteran principal. We both came onto the school at the same time and just replaced the previous team. Uh, and it just, it was just natural. Um, she hired me and she said, Adam, go be Adam. And, um, I just realized that, um, you can do things differently. I was there for two years, large elementary school, K five, 1200 students. It was a really, really big school, but it was yeah. a great place to learn really, really great place to learn. And then I actually went back 
to go be principal where I went to school. So I was actually in the yearbook where I was principal, which was cool. When I was the principal there, the principal smoked a pipe in the office, you know, man, times have, <laughs> times have changed and I'm not that old, but times have changed. And really that was my goal. I said, I questioned everything that we did. Should we still be doing it this way? Um, or should we change it? Or can somebody else be doing this? Or should nobody be doing this? I really wanted to be the, the unprincipled because um, far too long, Brett, I've read too many books, you know, Berenstein Bears or whatever, where the principal's like the person that gets you in trouble. And yeah. I, I never, I never wanted to do that. Um, yes, there are certain parts of the job that you have to, you have to do, yep. but um, you just, you, you just go so much farther, so much faster and have so much more fun when you build that cohesive culture where everybody, the secretary, the office manager, the cafeteria workers, the teachers, the bus drivers, you know, the landscapers, the custodians are, are part of the team and you treat them like they are part of the team. You don't walk mm -hmm. by somebody and don't say hello. You don't walk by a student ever without not saying hello. And uh, it's, it's not complicated. You know, and that's where it's like, keep it simple. People go like, what's your secret? I'm like, actually not much. I'm, I'm a smart guy, but I'm not like that smart. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Um, some of my favorite books I've ever read, I've really gotten a lot of concepts from like a lot of like military leadership where, you know, just really bringing the team together and kind of simplifying things and a lot of, a lot of business books. So, um, yeah, just, uh, that was the, really the impetus. I was like, you know, you can complain about something or you can see if you can do it a different way. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a simple message. And Hey, teachers that are listening, we need you in school leadership. And if you're looking for a mentor, and if you're not looking for a mentor, get a mentor, reach out to Brett. He'll mentor you reach out to me, Mr. Adam. Welcome on all social media. I'll mentor you. So you have that person in your corner, helping you along. And, and it is, uh, um, for many of our many of our teachers who are taking that step into leadership in the last two years, they are experiencing a, a totally different fire hose experience of educational leadership. And because there's so many things that those of us who are veterans, we don't even have all the answers to how do you handle this or what do you do when this happens? Um, and I've noticed it in the calls I've received from um, my colleagues who are newer principals. And I go, that's a really interesting thing. Well, here's how I would start. And like, cause you, it kind of goes back to what you said in the very beginning. You just have to start. Mm -hmm. You just have to figure out what's that first step that you're going to take. Um, and Adam, another thing I'm noticing here in, in a theme is that it seems like communication is something that is strong for you is um, so, so when you think about how you communicate, obviously you can probably talk to many different groups because you've had so many roles, but has that always been a strong suit of yours? Or is it something that you've had to develop over the time? How, how, how does communication really play an important role for you? Yeah. Well, first off, I would just say communicate early and communicate often and communicate simply. And, you know, I remember as a teacher, when I would hear people going, well, I never knew that nobody told me, nobody told me. And you never, you never absent of information, people come up with their own news cycle. Um, you know, if it's the staff or it's the community, right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when I took over my first school, they had done a, a printed newsletter, six pages front and back, and they printed copies, like 600 copies for every, every student. And I just didn't feel that that was a, um, a really great way to communicate. So I, you know, I digitized it. We started a school podcast. I got our school on remind. So like little text messages, cause people don't always 
check their emails, but they check their text message, especially if it's from the school. And, right. uh, you know, the, the idea is just to really keep a finger on the pulse of your people and constantly be thinking who needs to know this and how many people can I get involved? And I think to leaders think about your, think about your team and your office team. You know, I gave my office manager pretty much 98% of control of my Google drive and just communicating as well too, because I wanted them to be able to do things on my behalf. And that is really, that's empowering for people, you know, build that trust and build that culture. Um, and then, you know, Hey, you can communicate all you want from behind a screen, but you got to get out there. You know, every year as a principal, I was in every classroom every day for the first hundred days and talk about the best way to communicate face-to-face. And being out in front of school, I know in Minnesota, y'all have buses, we don't bus our students in California, but being out in front, you know, riding the bus, going to events and just being out there and being visible. Sometimes you're not even verbally communicating, you're just communicating with your presence, which is so valuable, so valuable, because if a parent has a problem, or a complaint, when they come to you, they're going to come to you in my experience in such a different way because they've heard you, they've seen you, the kids are talking about you, they know you're there rather than if you're kind of like quote unquote hiding in your office or hiding behind the computer, they're gonna come at you a different way because you're just not visible, which means you're also not communicating. Right, you know, it's interesting, Adam, you, you say that. And um, I used to spend most of my time as a um, in my supervision duties of being outside in the back at the buses where I would get a chance to say goodbye to all the kids, welcome them all in the morning. And I was like, think about the impact of a principal of getting to see, you know, 700 kids or 600 kids. And um, since COVID has started, our, the number of parents who drop kids off has increased to where we have between 100 and 200 cars coming through every day, dropping off kids. Mm-hmm. And I switched my role to holding a stop sign. And it's not a hard job. I flip it from stop to slow and all the cars drive by, but I'm at the main intersection between our driveway and where the parents are pulling in. So I see all the buses and I waved all the kids and I get to see every one of those parents. And at first I thought there's no way I can do this because there's too many important things. Pardon that bang there. Um, There's too many important things that are happening. I need to be inside where the action is. And I have found that return is totally what it it just, I want to just say what Adam's saying I can live that <laughs> is that it's working because I see parents every single day and, and they're noticing it and they feel like I'm accessible. And, you know, let me add, let me add to that, Brett. It doesn't take long. I just did a three week substitute principal job at a school here nearby. They had, they had no principal. They had kind of subs coming through all year. They couldn't find anybody uh, like 800 kids, 30 languages, just a lot going on. It was awesome. And in three weeks, in three weeks, I was out there. Every single day, I drop off and pick up, meeting parents, um, connecting with them, walking the neighborhoods. It, it doesn't take long. You know, one of the things I hate the most is go slow to go fast. Like, no, go, go at the right speed. Don't go slow. Don't go fast. Go with how you need to go. Um, but when they see you and they see you again, and you just kind of you make you wave or you say hello or whatever you're doing, it it changes people's mindsets quick about you, about the school, maybe about the problem that they're stewing on. Like, Oh, I don't like the teacher or I don't like this or whatever it might be when they see that person, especially the principal out there, it changes things quickly. It sure, it sure does. Now, Adam, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you are an avid runner and for anyone who follows Adam, you, you know, that when he goes somewhere, he'll reach out on Twitter and say, Hey, any of my Twitter friends that are in 
the greater Chicago land or in the greater whatever, if, you, if you're nearby, I'm going to go for a run. And, and I've noticed that you are just kind of open to sending out the invite to people and running is a huge part of your, your personal life. And I, how many marathons have you run so far? 31. 31 marathons. Okay. So, I mean, that is a commitment and, and, and it takes a lot of time, but you've figured out how to write a book, run, run like a pirate. And then you've also, you've really weaved in a community of educators who are also runners. Talk a little bit about what, what that group is like and how, how that came to be. And then like, what kind of connections do you make from that? Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, man. I just do it because it makes sense. And it's, I keep it simple. I don't try to build this huge, complex ecosystem. And uh, it's just nice to be able to connect with people, um, you know, that are like-minded. Like last summer in Chicago at the NASP conference, I ran every morning, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my good friends, Cass Nelson, who's a principal yeah. in Oklahoma, uh, Lisa Byrne, she was the NDP from Louisiana uh, last year. We ran together every morning, Tanya Hilburn. Um, and it just, you know, when people have that, you know, even if you don't run, people would come out and they would walk. So we would start together. We would run and on, on the backside, we'd catch people walking and we'd, we'd walk together. It's yeah. just a nice way to build community, build culture, build friendships. And I'll tell you, it's, it's been, it's come in handy so many times. Somebody's called me or texted me say, Hey, Adam, Hey, can I talk to you? I have a question. I just want to run something by you. I have a friend who's a principal in Illinois that did this a couple of weeks ago. They were going, going through something and they just wanted my advice. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it just helps it, uh, or they're at a marathon or they know somebody and they connect and Brett, that's what the world is for. I feel, you know, so often we complicate things with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and social media, but so often it's just finding that connection, maybe through those platforms and then exchanging emails, exchanging cell phone numbers, and just connecting with people. Uh, there was a, I was in South Carolina last year speaking and there was like a United Way group that was making a donation. And one of the United Way representatives stayed for my keynote. And then after the keynote, they emailed me because I shared my email address. And they said, hey, I have a friend uh, who's a teacher and getting into speaking. Could you, would you mind connecting with them? And now this guy, James, and I are like, you know, buddies and we talk and I'm helping him kind of build his, build his thing and ideas. And gosh, you know, I'm alive on this planet for many reasons. And for me, that's a really, really big one just to, you know, pay it forward is kind of a, kind of a taboo thing that we've been saying for a long time, but really to pay it forward and to connect with people and to, to connect other people. Cause sometimes it's me connecting other people and then me getting out of the way and they take that relationship to the next level. Well, and what's cool about that, Adam, <clears throat> is even if you don't stay involved in all of that, it, it again, when, when you can serve as a linchpin, to build other connections. Your connectedness builds other connections. So those webs continue to go out. Mm -hmm. yep. And that, I, I have to tell you, everyone, we there, there can be times where this feels like a lonely job because you can't always just turn and vent to a teacher about something that, because that's just not, a, we're not allowed to do that in our roles. And so when you have those people you can trust, or when you've built those outside connections, so people outside of your system can share some ideas, it, it does make a difference. And um, I, that, another great point. So, so as we're talking about the books and, and, and for the keynote here, Adam, so tell us a little bit about what are some of the things um, when you come into a new, into a new state and you're talking to different educators and you want to go, huh, what's most important right now? How, what do I want to talk about? Um, how, how do you kind of vet 
because the idea, I'm, I'm just going to tell you for like someone like me, I can get up in front of a group of parents and I can talk to them all about the things we do at our school because I'm very comfortable with it. But when you first decided, I'm going to go out there and speak to fellow principals who are like me. And, and how did you come up with the, the idea of how do I get a good, a good message across that, that resonates? Because it, it's not something you can just do at a drop of a dime. You, you got to really think about it, refine it. Yeah. Well, like I said before, I mean, I blogged for 15 years before I did any kind of speaking, paid speaking. So I had a, I feel like I had a pretty good finger on what worked, what people resonated with. And uh, Hey, some of it's just trial and error. You know, I can remember my first uh, keynote right after kids deserve it came out that I got paid for. And uh, Hey, that was like original Adam, like five and a half years ago, you know, speaking and, you know, you just got to reiterate, reiterate and practice and try different content and how you present. Um, I just think, like I said before, man, the simpler you can keep something, you know, the better give people a taste, make them laugh. I, you know, a lot of people cry when I speak all good tears, just kind of pull on their emotions and then give them three to five ideas of things that they can go use or think about and change in their practice. So I think that's a really important, uh, important thing. Anybody listening that is looking for a speaker, I always talk to all of my clients beforehand and talk about your organization and your district and what do you have going on so we can tweak the message and really make sure that we hit home, uh, you know, what people, what people really want. But I think more than anything, it's, me building a connection with the audience and building a relevant connection that I'm a human being and I'm an educator and I'm a husband and I'm a dad and I'm just like a normal person. I'm not this like anomaly that's on the stage. I'm just a person. And I think me conveying that to the audience really, I feel helps me connect with them in a really special way. They're going to listen more. They're going to understand um, and hopefully connect. So when they leave the event, they're going to go make change in their life and in the work they do. To me, that's the goal. I want people to have fun, but I also want them to go back to where they work and to make change. It's, that is, it's, it's another form of empowerment, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of lighting the fire, reigniting the passion. And especially here in the uh, beginning of February in Minnesota, um, right now, Adam, as we're recording this, it is zero degrees. I think our wind chill is about minus 20 outside right now. We had to do indoor recess for the kids. Um, so when, when you come in February, that's when we're kind of right at the turning point. February is where things are starting to melt, but it's, we still might get a couple snowstorms and, and right through March. And so this, that message is going to be right on point. It's and 60 wanna... degrees in California today and blue skies. Sorry. Sorry. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's funny. I'm going to share a personal story. When I, um, when I was in college, I originally got my degree in special education and I, I taught down on the Tahana Atham um, Native American Reservation in, in Arizona. And after my first year, I was not a very successful sixth grade teacher. And I was really trying to think, what do I want to do? Maybe I don't want to be a teacher. And there's a company in San Rafael um, called Guide Dogs for the Blind. And uh, I was- yeah, I very, know them, yeah. So I was very connected with Guide Dogs for the Blind. And I thought, you know what? They offered me, so they offered me an opportunity for a three-year internship. And I thought, this is it. I can work with dogs. I'm in education. Like this checks all the boxes. So I talked to my parents and I said, I think I'm going to move out to San Rafael. And I said, so uh -huh, I went on Craigslist to find a place to live. And I'm going, 
oh my gosh, I don't have any money. I was a recent college graduate. I had no money. And when I saw how expensive it was to live out there and I told guide dogs, I said, do you do any, do you do any help? And they're like, no, we don't have any help for rental assistance. This is kind of an internship. So it doesn't pay very well. And that, that kind of ended my career in, in going after uh, <laughs> training guide dogs. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, when we think about people that are in education and, and living in that area, um, I know it's got to be a little bit hard with how expensive it's gotten to be. And maybe um, for educators that hasn't always followed along the, the salary increases, just not that California matters that much here in Minnesota, but it is curious because we see teachers right now are feeling a lot of stress. And I think about when you're, you get to pop in and see all these teachers um, when you get to uh, sub fill in as principals, how are people navigating um, trying to live with the expenses and also be, want to be great educators. Is that a problem or is it not really something that you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, it was a problem for me 20 years ago when I got my credential at 22, you know, I had some student loans and I had two other side jobs as a full-time teacher. I would, oh. you know, I tutored a couple of days a week and I worked at a running shoe store on the weekend and I taught summer camps in the summer. And, uh, you know, honestly, like I have some resentment about that because, in order to make it, um, I think in a lot of areas, but especially California, I mean, I got a lot of friends in Oklahoma, their pay is, is just is abominable. Um, it's, uh, you know, I hate the saying, I, I really don't like the saying, well, you don't get into education for the money. And my feeling is like, why not? I mean, why, why shouldn't people? Yes, you get into it to make a difference. I feel I feel that being an educator is a, is a helper job, but people get into private equity or people get into business to, you know, do a job, but also to make $400,000 to $500,000 a year. And when you're, you know, below the poverty line as a teacher, there's a big problem for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff on social media right now about, oh, people volunteering in classrooms and, you know, police officers or employees or this and that because of teachers being out because of Omicron. And, you know, I think on the, on the surface of it, like that's a really awesome thing, but then the big problem is it's like, well, then anybody can come in. I mean, there's kind of two different, two different, you know, ways to think about that. Um, And it's a, it's a huge national problem. Uh, I think education is in the ICU right now in many different areas, Um, teacher recruitment, administrator recruitment, retention, um, and just being able to, to live and have a family and not drive a beater car forever. I mean, I'm not talking about buying a Mercedes or a Bentley, but just having a comfortable life. It's, um, you know, it, it's an issue and it's a, it's a long, long-term issue that our country needs to address. Well, and that's why if, if, if we can't always have the financial, the, the, the financial rewards that come along with it. That's why we need things like, like KDI, our kids deserve it, teachers deserve it. The, by giving extra resources or giving people ideas because we're never boxed in. I, it's sometimes interesting when I talk with teachers and they feel, they feel like they may not have any other opportunity. Like, oh, I, I only teach. And I go, you don't only teach. Oh my gosh, do you realize that you are setting up all these future citizens? All these kids are, are, you're building a foundation for them. You have many skills that don't look typical when you think you have a teaching degree, but you are good at so many things because you have to multitask. You have to be organized. You have to be planning and preparing, but you also have to be adept enough to flex when you need to. Mm -hmm. Those are things that employers are always looking for. 
So I want you to continue being a teacher, but I don't ever want you to think you're just a teacher. Sure. You do so much more that really contributes to, to the greatness and, but you should be remunerated for it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I'm a big advocate for it. So, so Adam, our time is already running out. And so I, I just want to say like, we, we are so excited to have you here as our, as our opening keynote on Wednesday. Um, I know, I know many of our principals can't wait to, to get up here. They don't care how cold it is. And uh, again, everyone, I want to remind you that you go to mespa.net and then click on register for Institute. It's right on the front page. First thing you'll see and uh, it's, it's not too late to get registered. We want you to come and see Adam. Adam, how can our listeners find you? What's the best way for them to contact you if they yeah, want? Yeah, Mr. Adam, welcome across all social medias. MrAdamWelcome.com. I have a website and a bunch of information there. I like to pride myself on responding to everybody that reaches out to me with a question or a comment or a, a resource, whatever that may be. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to uh, be in the cities. I will try to bring some of that warmer California weather to, uh, to Minnesota. Just bring, just bring your positive spirit. And I know Minnesotans were hardy. We will know how to handle the cold. We are, we're excited for your message and, and to have you and everyone, as Adam was saying in the beginning here is you just have to start. Don't, don't think about it. Go to mespa.net, click register, come to Institute, come see Adam and, uh, uh, Adam, thank you again. Uh, we are, we are so happy to have you here. We appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. I'll see y'all soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of MESPA Principal Cast. For more information about the Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association, visit mespa.net.